Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. That is way too kind because I gotta tell you the truth. I am here out of pure selfishness. I'm back with Central. Give it up for yourself and what God is doing in this great church. And I can't spend too much time on this. And I know, I know it's like good manners to say nice things about the church when you're speaking as a guest speaker and about your pastor, but I cannot embellish. I cannot say too much that's too kind about Judd and Lori Wilhite. I love your leaders. 20 years they have been faithful here. Y'all don't get, that's a big deal. In, in my field, pastors tap out like after two and a half years on average across America. Because being in ministry is great, but there's some pressure. But they have loved and led you with brilliant leadership for two decades. I love your leaders. I, I love them. I love them, but I am jealous. They do so much so well. I mean, Judd's a great leader, a great preacher, so is Lori. He's written more books than uh, I have read, and then this church... Y'all got campuses, you know, not just in the Vegas Valley. You have campuses in different cities, different states, different countries, different hemispheres. I'm trying to take my church culture across town. You're across the world. So this is more than just a church. You are part of a movement of God. It's always a career highlight for me to be back with Central. So let's get to it. If you have a Bible, uh, go to Matthew 15. But I want to kind of show you something in the Bible. There's certain stories, especially Jesus stories, and I love a good Jesus story. Uh, there's some Jesus stories that show up in more than one place. There's redundancy in the Scripture. There are four Gospels. A Gospel is a narrative biography of Jesus' life. So this story shows up in two places, and there's no contradictions. No contradictions in the Bible. But the two stories, they complement and complete each other. So to enter into the study, we'll be in Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15, then we'll bounce to Mark 7. All right, so I'll put the verses up on the big screens. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. If you have your Bible, maybe your smartphone on your iPhone or your iPad, or just use your eyeballs, we're good. All right, so I'll start the talk this way. If you've been a Christian for a season, you might remember the acrostic WWJD. Y'all remember that one? What's it stand for? All right, well, what would Jesus do? And the idea was if you're facing a decision, some dilemma, you would stop and prayerfully consider what would Jesus do in this moment? Then imitate Jesus. What would Jesus say? Or what would Jesus do? What decision would he? Well, that's a great philosophy. You should WWJD. You should think about what would Jesus do, record in the scripture and try to imitate. You should WWJD almost all the time. Almost all the time. I think like 99.6% of the time, you should WWJ, but there are some rare moments. You and I should not do what Jesus does. I mean, if we did what he did, we, we get canceled. You stared at me, all right, you stay in Matthew. Let me show you an example. I'm not trying to be offensive or anything, but just what Jesus says in this passage, I don't think you and I should WWJD. On the screen right now is John chapter two, and Jesus is talking to his mom, Mary, awesome venerated Mary. What Jesus says, when he addresses his mom, I would not try this. <laughs> Jesus said to her, read. <laughs> woman, woman, even worse, what does your concern have to do with Jesus called his mama, woman? Don't do that, guys. Don't do that. Don't try it. Like my mom is awesome and kind and nice, but she is Southern. <laughs> if I called her a woman, it would not go well. 
my church, like your church, is wonderfully diverse. We have like every nation you can think of represented. You know, South Florida is very eclectic. And so I preach every weekend to Jamaicans. I love Jamaican people. They're awesome and Bahamians and Haitian and African-American. But, you know, when it comes to our Hispanics, they're from all over the world. So I have Cubans and Colombians, right, Costa Ricans, uh, Brazilians. Brazilians are awesome. But thank you, see. But I talk to my Hispanic friends about the same thing. Could you call your, your, your mama in Portuguese or in Spanish the equivalent of woman? They're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. That flip-flop would come flying right away if I did that, right? <laughs> so uh, don't always do, right? Jesus, I'm going to show you. Sometimes Jesus could be kind of harsh. Sometimes Jesus could say something. I, I'm going to show you something. I think what he says, it's not sinful, but it's offensive. It's offensive. You might want to, you know, just listen here. It's, I'm telling you this, is what he says. Now, understand this. Sometimes truth has an edge. I like to tell the truth in love. Judd does the best. Judd has that giant superpower smile, but he tells you the truth of scripture in lots of love. That's why we should always share truth in love. Church truth without judgment and concern. But sometimes truth has an edge, doesn't it? Even the gospel. It says this is about the gospel. You say in Matthew, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 23, he says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, right? Some people be offended by the gospel, offended by truth. That happens. Like the gospel begins, is wonderful. It says, you know, God loves me and made me. And it ends with Jesus died for my sin and he arose again. And I can have a relationship with God. It starts and it ends amazing. In the middle of the gospel, it's a stumbling block. It says, not that I'm awesome, but I'm awful. That I'm a sinner. I'm a spiritual rebel. I've actually offended a holy God. So who's this message gonna help today? I think it's gonna help somebody who uh, uh, maybe you have been offended right now. We live in a culture, we take offense, we cancel people really quickly. So this is not a sermon about the cancel culture. I don't have enough courage to do that here, right? Someone probably needs to preach on the cancel culture. I mean, should we cancel the cancel culture? Good question, I'm not gonna cover that today. But we live in a society where people now look to be offended. It used to be, if you were easily offended, that was a character of flaw, but now we scroll, look, you know, that offends me, that, that, I am so offended. What you said offends me, right? And we cancel people. Maybe you've, you were offended and you canceled, I don't know, a friendship, or you canceled a relationship, or you canceled a job opportunity, or maybe you, you, can't, you canceled your church, because something at church, maybe a different church, or even this church, churches have imperfect people. Someone said something hurt your feelings. You tapped out of church. Or maybe you've actually canceled your relationship with God in some form or fashion. Why? Because, uh, stay with me, maybe you prayed, you asked God for something and not a little something, a significant something, and you prayed sincerely and nothing. Other people tell their stories of their miracles and their answered prayer. You hear their testimonies and now it just annoys you because you needed God and God was a no-show. You called out to heaven and heaven put you on hold. And you're here right now conflicted because you, you know, you know when it comes to Jesus that you should honor Jesus, you should love Jesus, and you should respect Jesus, and you should worry. Y'all got a picture. Give me a picture of Jesus. We, we should be honoring and respecting all that, right? That's, I should be worshiping, trusting Jesus, but you feel because God didn't answer your prayer deep down right now. You're so frustrated with God. You're so angry. You think, no, no, David, I want to cancel Jesus. And look, somebody probably offended me right now. But I'm preaching on not being offended because I put canceled, well, disappeared. Put it back up there, guys. Please. There you go. Because I put, I put canceled over a picture of Jesus. And that offends you. 
To which I'd respond is, this is not a picture of Jesus. This is not what Jesus looked like. Nobody thinks this. This is some artist. There's no photos of Jesus. I mean, gee, well, there you go. In fact, if you Google images of Jesus, you get all kinds of craziness. Not just a long, blonde-haired Norwegian Jesus like we just saw. Like some of these just confused. I mean, what's that one in the middle? Jesus holding baby Jesus? I mean, that's consoling a little dinosaur. This is not what Jesus looks like, amen? We'll make those go away because they're just, they're just weird. That's not what Jesus, but if you've been disappointed by God or think about tapping out on faith or I think I'm out because it doesn't work for me, man, you're in the right place. I'm gonna show you a lady who gets a miracle and the main reason she gets a miracle was she refused to be offended. Let's jump into the word of God right now. Again, I'm gonna bounce back and forth from Matthew's gospel to Mark's gospel because what? They give us great nuance and information. Let's start, oh, how about Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 on the screen. Read the highlighted word loudly if you would. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew, good job, to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is on the coast. This is actually a non-Israeli area. This is a place where there, there are Greeks and there are Gentiles. So it's just north of the part of that world that all the conflict is right now. But Jesus, a Jew, leaves Israel and goes to this area on the coast. What's taking place? Look at this, the next verse, verse 22. This is packed with so much information. It says, a Canaanite woman, good job, from that vicinity, came to him crying out. Okay, when Mark tells the story, he calls her a Greek, way more polite. Matthew goes in hard, now he's a Jew. He calls her a Canaanite. And to a first century Jewish reader, oh my gosh, this is charged with subtext of racism, animosity. The Canaanites were the ancestral enemies of the Jews since the Old Testament. So Canaanite is Bible code that she's a pagan. She's an idol worshiper. She's outside the covenant of God. She, she's, she's not one of us. She's one of them. A Canaanite woman, it says, a Canaanite woman from Ephesus, cried out, Lord, son of that's kind of cool. That's a technical messianic term. I mean, this Canaanite woman, yeah, she's an idol worshiper. She's not a Christian person. She's not a Hebrew. She's done her research. She calls Jesus son of David. I sent him for Messiah. That's amazing. By the way, if you're here at Central and uh, you're kind of like this woman, you didn't grow up in church, don't have a Christian background, but you're here asking questions and kicking tires, awesome. Give it up for people like that right now at your campus. Give it people right now. You're, you're not a Christian. You don't buy the whole thing. But you're asking the greatest questions in life. Is there a God? Did he really make me? Does he love me? Does he have a plan and purpose for my life? Is Jesus who the Bible says, the Messiah, the son of David, the pathway to heaven, is all that? So listen, if you got those questions, get the answers. Do your homework. And in fact, we have something here called Next Step. Next Step is a seminar we offer at every campus. You can go to the website. You can go to uh, central.family. You'll find a link. It's the place you ask God questions. I mean, to stand up in this room and ask a question during this would be inappropriate. There, you can ask the tough question. Go be part of that experience. So if you're, you have questions, that's your next step. First step is your next step. By the way, if you wanna understand everything this church can do and the ministries can bring you, you need to go. Make that your action step, that is your move today. This woman, the journey from an idol worshiper, she's gonna find faith in Jesus, she's gonna get a miracle. Man, the journey is remarkable. Okay, let's keep reading, let's, let's balance this time. Let's go to Mark chapter seven. So why was Jesus withdrawing to this region? It said Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house, look at this carefully, and did not want anyone to 
know it, good job, yet he could not keep his presence. So Jesus, our Savior, is seeking seclusion. He's hiding out. What's he doing? What's he doing? Okay, maybe this changes your image of Jesus. Now he's like, he's on the coach, the coast. Uh, it's like a, maybe Jesus is on vacay. It's his beach vacay. Now your image of Jesus is what? Jesus is wearing board shorts, Crocs, Ray-Bans, zinc oxide on his nose. Probably not actually vacay. What Jesus is doing, he's seeking to be alone with the Father. Context. What happened just before this Jesus and the 12 disciples going to this region in Phoenicia? Uh, feeding the 5,000. Jesus fed the 5,000. Oh my gosh, he went viral. Is the height of his ministry. He's insanely popular. John tells us when he fed the 5,000, they wanted to make him a king by force. I mean, guess what? Any, any Messiah that can make carbs and protein out of almost thin air, when there's poverty and hunger, can resource an army, they want to make him a king. So he withdraws. See, Jesus had a, had a big public presence right now. Jesus had platform. But we see this. The secret to a powerful public life is a protected private life. He gets alone. He gets alone with God. By the way, not the first time he's done this. I think when he started his ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness alone with the Heavenly Father. And before making big decisions, you know, he'd go to the mountaintop and pray alone all night long. And at the end, at Gethsemane, he goes a little deeper into the garden and prays alone. If Jesus needed alone time, we need that alone time. You gotta have that. Jesus had a public life. And, he went, and listen, there's some people here like, I love that. Just truth be told, David, I'd love to be famous. I'd love to have platform. I'd love to have influence. Nothing wrong with that, but get ready. The more platform, more pressure, right? More popular, more pain. More fame, more heat. I mean, Jesus is popular, but he's incredibly criticized at this point. His enemies are solidifying against him. And think about every great person in history we look back and we honor right now, like we honor you know, Abraham Lincoln or Dr. King or Mandela or Billy Graham. During their careers, hated, criticized, right? They, they go together. So Jesus, his popularity is growing, but guess what? He goes away, he hides out with his father. So he's trying to be here in secret really quickly. And I'll let this go. Also tells me not everything Jesus did was for public consumption. If you're like me and you enjoy social media and you post once in a while, just, just discipline yourself. Don't feel that pressure. I mean, some of y'all feel this pressure to post every thought, every opinion, and every idea. Every lunch, every latte, just, just give us a break. We don't need all that. Jesus kept some things to himself and the Father. It's a good plan. So he's here hiding out. Did he hide from everybody? Well, no. There's a woman who's about to find him. Let me show you the story. This, this is what really gets exciting right here. So Jesus is trying to have this downtime, but look at this woman's response. It is so cool. It's so powerful. Uh, how about now? Let's go to Mark 7, 25 on the screen. Get ready to read. In fact, as soon. She didn't hesitate. When it comes to God, you can't wait till you do all your research and have every question answered. You gotta move when God's moving. I mean, Jesus didn't live there. He was gonna be there like a day and a half. So when she heard that, she still had questions. She moved. Right away, it says, right, as soon as she heard about him, the woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. Now, I lost somebody right there. You're like, oh, uh, wait, wait, evil you mean like a demon? David, do you believe in demon possession? Just a thought. The sermon's not about that. 
I'll help you break this down if you're a little bit of a skeptic, a little cautious about things like this. This could be the way an evil spirit, the way ancient pre-scientific people describe someone with severe mental health issues. Maybe, maybe her daughter was a rapid cycling bipolar or had borderline personality disorder or schizophrenia. Maybe that's the way they describe that. But listen, if you're not down with the whole demon thing, it's not a sermon on demons, or, but there's a lot of evil in this world, isn't there? That's not rhetorical. There's a lot of evil, wickedness, sinful. Last three weeks, we've seen heinous, horrible things done. Violence, right? Oh my gosh, terrible. Is there any chance it's not just ideologies, politics, psychology? Are these people who do these wicked things, not just their politics are broken or their psychology, their diapers are wrapped too tight when they were babies? <laughs> Could it be behind the scene there's something sinister and supernatural? I, I don't know what's taking place with her, but this kid is messed up. This kid has this big issue. And so it motivates this mom who's a Canaanite to go to Jesus. And if we break down the verse a little more, and it says the woman, a Greek, more polite, born in Syrian Phoenicia, she Beg, she begged. When I say three, shout the word beg. One, two, three. Beg. Not the typical way you communicate with a stranger, is it? Someone walks up to you and begs passionately. But she begs. It's humbling. It's self-deprecating. She's desperate. She's desperate. She begs Jesus. Jesus, can you help my daughter? She begs. I love this woman. Let's keep reading together. So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? I'm gonna go back to Matthew. Because this woman is desperate. And she has a need. It's not for her, it's her kid. So what does our loving, amazing, powerful, compassionate Jesus do in response? Well, if we jump this time to Matthew chapter 15, verse 23, it begins this way. This woman's begging for help. And it says, and Jesus didn't answer her a word. That's offensive. I mean, it's at least bad manners. I didn't say sinful. Jesus never sins. But she's begging for help. He shines her. He ghosts her. He does not dignify her with an answer nor a response. And she's begging on behalf of her daughter. So what does she do? Does she get her feelings hurt? Does she walk away? She said, forget you, Jesus. Here's the rest of this verse. Look at her response. Jesus did not answer her. So the disciples went to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps. She keeps crying out. She keeps. She won't quit. So Jesus does not respond to her. He ignores her, the message translation. He ignores her. She persists. She continues. She asks time and time again, why in the world would she do this? She's not a Jew. She's not a Christian. She's a Canaanite. She's an idol worshiper. Why does she do this? She's a mom. She's a dedicated mom. There's no dad in this story. Maybe she's a single mom. We don't know, but she's a, she's a mom. And her kid has need. See, good parents, good parents, good parents don't easily tap out on their kids, do we? We don't quit, man. Keep praying for that teenager. I know she's wearing you slap out right now. <laughs> I know you want to put him up for adoption, but he's 17. It's too late. <laughs> My big sister was such a rebel, beautiful and bright. She was such a knucklehead, but mom kept praying. There's something about a praying mom. So she doesn't quit. She should quit because Jesus has been offensive, just my opinion. She should have canceled Jesus. What he, he ignores her, won't respond. So he finally, he finally, he finally says something to her, but you're not gonna like it. Verse 24 on the screen right now. He finally, after some time, answered her, I was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. Now, this is not offensive. It's surely not very inclusive, is it? 
Maybe not agree, just be saying, okay, uh, you are a Canaanite, I am a Jew. Uh, you are a pagan, I am a Hebrew. You're an idol worshiper, I, I am not. You're an outsider, I'm an insider. I'm not here for you. I'm not here for your needs. Jesus said this, so what does she do? Now does she get mad? Verse 25 is the bomb. Look at verse 25. The woman, the woman came and knelt louder. The woman came and knelt. When I say three, all campuses shout the word knelt. One, two, three, knelt. Put knelt in the chat. Knelt, she knelt. This is awesome. Your Bible might say she worshiped. Instead of being offended at Jesus' lack of response, then the whole, I'm here for other sheep, not you, she kneels before him, she worships him. In fact, I think Bible scholars, this is where she gets saved. Romans 10, 9, Romans 10, 9, she's already confessed him as son of David, you are the Messiah, you're the Savior, and now she submits to him as Lord. This is where she gets saved. She kneels. So her pleading has turned into her prayer. I love this woman. And by the way, I think that's the reason when Jesus didn't respond to her at first, she didn't quit. She prayed before this, y'all, right? This is not the first time the woman ever prayed. She never prayed to Jesus before, but she's prayed. She's, they have religion in this part of the world. So she, when her kid got sick, she probably went to the pagan temple and talked to the pagan priest and probably had to pay some money. And he said, uh, go pray to that statue. That statue will help you right there. And she prayed and she prayed. And she poured her heart out to a statue that was unresponsive and unmoving. Why? Not real. So... She's used to small g gods not responding. But I love this. When she hears about Jesus, she's not disrespecting her parents or her tradition or her culture, but she's like, man, this ain't working. This religion I grew up with, it's not working. No disrespect, mom and dad, but I gotta try something else. And so she leans into Jesus. Brilliant. Brilliant. Some of y'all didn't grow up going to church, didn't grow up with a Christian background, but you're checking out Jesus. Amazing so here she pleads, she worshiped. I think this is her salvation. And here it comes. Here comes the verse. This whole thing was just set up for the. Look what Jesus says to this poor, desperate, worshiping woman. Verse 26 on the screen. By the way, don't get mad at me. Jesus said it, not me. He says, he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their. If you're not shocked by that, you've been in church too long. You've read the story too many times. He called a woman a dog in public. Who does this and doesn't get canceled? Who in our culture right now, I mean, if someone calls a woman a dog in front of like the cameras, and I don't care if it's Trump or Biden or Beyonce or Beckham or Brady, I keep going, or Bieber. <laughs> if John did this in church, oh, we might need to fire the pastor. If I called a woman a dog in this sermon, you say, he never comes back again. And you'd be right. See, don't give him the Jesus pass right here. It's different because of Jesus. Now, not sinful, but it's offensive. By the way, Christian, just because Jesus could say this, don't you dare WWJD this. <laughs> just because he says some harsh things, that is not license for us to be harsh and to be rude. So he calls this woman a dog. Now, listen. She's begged and she's pled and she's been desperate. She's humbled herself. She's on her knees. At this point, when Jesus calls her a dog, if she would have got off her knees, wiped off the dust, looked at him and said, how dare you? I, I thought you were different. 
I heard you were kind and compassionate and you could heal people sometimes. And I, I heard you don't care what side of the tracks you come from. I heard you don't care if it's a Jew or a Gentile. I heard that, but you're just like those Pharisees. If she'd have walked away, if you were there that day, right? If you're there wearing your Jordans that day, watch this thing takes place. You heard him call that and didn't know any background. You'd want to hit him. Someone said this to my wife, right? I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, I'm throwing hands. You call her a dog, especially in front of people, it's not gonna be pretty. Jesus does this. Now look, look, she should be offended. She should storm away. She'd be, she'd be done with God, done with Jesus, back to the idols, back to my culture. But look what she does. Look what she does. Check out this next verse, her response. Her response. It's one of the best verses in the Bible. Yes, Lord, she says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This woman, oh yeah, you should clap. She needs to hear you in heaven because this is awesome. Instead of being offended, she says, wow, uh, dog. Okay, uh, dogs get the crumbs. I, mean, I was hoping for the whole biscuit. But if Jesus, if it's you, I'll, I'll take the crumbs. It's my kid, and I'm desperate, and I heard you're a healer, and you can't hide from me because she's hurting. I don't have all the answers. I'll take the crumbs. Look what Jesus says in response to her response. I love this. This is something very rare in the Bible. So Jesus says in response to her right now, Jesus answered Woman, he did it again, he did it again. Woman, woman, you have grace. One more time, you have grace. Shout it. You have grace. great faith. Your request is granted, and your daughter was healed from that very... I, I want to point this out. Because she said the whole crumb thing, and Jesus went, wow. You have great faith. He only says that two times in all the Bible. She got one. She'd never been to Sunday school. Didn't grow up in church, right? She didn't. In fact, let's just deal with this. So why, why? I close this, this idea. Stay with me here. Here's the part of the sermon for smart people. Here's the part for, so look at your neighbor right now. Look, do they measure up? They look intelligent. This is for smart people right here. Uh, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive. So why, why, why did she get her miracle? Not everyone got miracles, but this Canaanite woman, anonymous woman, she got her miracle. Why? It's not because she had the right bloodline. She wasn't from the right family. She was, spiritually speaking, from the wrong side of the tracks. She didn't grow up like this. In fact, she is not a Jew. She's not a Christian. She is what? She's a Canaanite. The Canaanites are the outsiders since Genesis. In fact, a little backstory In Genesis chapter 9, smart people, here we go. Genesis 9, Noah curses the Canaanites forever. They're under a curse by Noah. To which I respond, who the heck is Noah? He's a boat builder. Builds boats great. Noah didn't have the power to curse future generations. He's merely a man. He ain't an angel. He's not Jesus. See, we have this doctrine in the church called a generational curse. Stay with me. A generation that your parents did something so spiritually wrong or so twisted, whatever it was, that you are under the yoke and tyranny of their dysfunction and you never can escape. You're a victim because of generational sin. I don't believe in it. I believe in generational bad modeling. I believe in generational dysfunction. Maybe your family for generations has been screwed up. Right? Nobody stays employed, and no one stays sober, and no one stays married, and, and there's illiteracy and ignorance and poverty and even jail in your family, but guess what? That's just your example. That's not your future. You, you are a Christian. You are saved. You're a child of the God, of God. You're a new creation in Jesus' name, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So you say with all that dysfunction, hey, God, all that, all that brokenness, my forefathers 
handed down to me will never touch my children. I draw the line in the sand. I am the shield to them. I am a chain breaker in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. All that weirdness, that brokenness, my kids, won't, it won't even, I won't even smell like smoke from the furnace. It wasn't because you had the right theological information. If you said, okay, I have a couple questions before I heal your daughter. Uh, what do you think of justification in the Old Testament? She'd be like, what's that? How about Mosaic Law? Your interpretation, I don't know what that is. Okay, how about this? Just name me one proverb of Solomon. I don't know any. Think what she didn't know about Jesus. She didn't know Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Didn't know about the baptism and, and heaven opening up. Didn't know he's fulfilling 300 prophecies. She, all she knew was, all she knew is she had a sick kid and she heard he was a healer and she wasn't going to hide from him. So I'm out of time. I'm so sorry I'm out of time. But I have 90 seconds. Can I tell you? Here's the question that sticks to me in this story. Why did Jesus do her like this? Anybody? Because Jesus, if you're new to Jesus, your first time reading a Jesus story, you're like, he's a jerk. He is so, no, no. He's typically remarkably kind, especially to outsiders, to broken people, messy people. So why would Jesus call this woman a dog? Why? I'm gonna tell you why. Cross-reference, again, smart people. John chapter two, verse 24 and 25, it basically says in John chapter two that Jesus has the ability to read minds. He knows what's inside a person. He can read your heart. So the moment this woman rolled up on him, right? Before she says word number one about Lord Jesus, son of David. By the way, don't let that fool you. She Googled son of David like five minutes before this went down, right? But she rolls up. She's not said a word. And Jesus looks up at her and says, oh, you're why I'm here. I withdrew, but the father had this connection today. And you've not said a word, but oh, I can see her faith. Her faith is legit. Her faith is on spiritual steroids. Her faith is tenacious. Her faith is unrelenting. Her faith is powerful. It is strong. Her faith has muscle and grit. That faith, I can't ignore that faith. I can't hide from that faith. I can't even offend that faith, though I'm trying. I'm gonna call her a dog. And I'm not trying to offend her. I'm trying to teach the disciples because their faith is pathetic. Their faith is so bad sometimes. Their faith is so small. Hey, check her out. She doesn't know jack about me, but she's coming to me in faith. I can't hide from her faith. I can't offend her faith. And I can't say no to her faith. And she gets heaven's miracle. So what's, don't quit, man. Keep praying. Hang on to Jesus. Putting you through a little bit of tests, you know how tough you are. We got a lot of anemic, weak, pathetic, sissy Christians. Can I say that? We need some thick-skinned Christians who don't get offended at their friends, don't get offended by politics, don't get offended by their church. They hang on to heaven. Oh, she had great faith. Jesus only says that twice. She gets one. So how about you? Have you said yes to Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If not, here's your moment. David, I got all these God questions. So did she. She had a plethora. You know more about Jesus than she did, but she found salvation. She got her miracle. So I think today is your day to say yes to Jesus. Well, how can you say that? You don't even know me, David. Well, I don't, but God does. And the Bible says now is the time, and today is the day of your salvation. Think about your day. Think about your day. What events, what circumstances did God orchestrate to get you in one of these chairs today? What did God do? God got all up in your stuff, didn't he? God got all up in your chili, and you're here right now with free will. You can make your decision. Now's your time. 
I'm going to show you a salvation prayer in just a moment. I think you should pray with me. That prayer, no need to pray out loud because God's a genius. He can read your mind. And someone's going, well, David, I, I got questions. You always will have questions. Faith is a baby step beyond your questions. David, I probably should do this when Judd's preaching. You are not saved in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Judd. <laughs> I love Judd. He's a great, he's better preacher than me. But listen, this is between you and Jesus. So I want to ask everyone in the room to bow their heads and everyone to close their eyes. And if you're a Christian, pray your guts out because close enough for you to touch is someone who needs to make this great decision. And if you want to be saved, it's not weird. It's not holy hocus pocus. It's just praying this prayer sincerely. Pray something like this. Pray, uh, dear Jesus, well, yeah, I, I, I want this. I need this. Yeah, I know you're not surprised, Lord. I am. I didn't plan on this being my day, but I think today is my day. Come into my life, Lord, and save me. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You arose again, and you're alive right now, and you're going to take me to heaven when I die, because I'm praying this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together, because somebody prayed that prayer. You prayed that prayer. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.